Hello and welcome to Inside Music, episode number 205. As always, I'm your host, James Shotwell, and it's great to be with you again. My guest this week is my pal Laura Hardy, otherwise known as Regular Laura, from 1077 The Eagle, one of the classic hit stations currently saving people's morning drives around the United States. Laura is a career radio DJ, and she's here to discuss with us what it means to work in radio in 2020, what it's like to try and get a job in radio, and why people that are interested in the genre, format, however you want to describe it, should pursue those dreams. It's a really cool episode because it's one that's a little bit timely. We talk about what it's like to be working in music right now, which can often be a very confusing thing for a lot of people. But she's making it work. She's shining like a star. And I think you're really going to enjoy the conversation that we have. Before we get there, I need to tell you a few quick things. This episode of Inside Music, like every episode of the show, is brought to you by Holix, the music industry's leading promotional distribution platform. People use Holix to share new and unreleased music with tastemakers, and you can do the same by visiting holix.com. That's H-A-U-L-I-X.com. When you get there, click sign up, and your first month of service is absolutely free, no credit card required. So visit holix.com today. That's H-A-U-L-I-X.com today. You should also check out our YouTube channel. It's called Music Biz. That's Music B-I-Z. And if you do both those things, then sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with regular Laura. All right. How are things in Louisville today? Uh, pretty good. Beautiful weather and quiet for once. <laughs> That's nice. It has been a f- crazy few weeks there. Absolutely. Very much so. <laughs> and for once, it's not the Derby. We, we don't know how to deal with it. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm happy that you're here to talk to me about uh, radio and such, but I want to get your thoughts thoughts on something that's happening right now because we just made a video about it for our youtube channel and it's on my mind have you heard about this three-day rock festival happening in wisconsin next month yes the herd immunity uh festival with like static x and all that yes uh i talked about that on the radio this morning actually actually and insane stupidest thing i think you could do a band from louisville is actually playing it thunderstruck i know those dudes I'm very surprised they're going to be there because they're generally pretty level-headed, nice, kind people. They come on my show all the time. Um, But uh, no way. No way in hell. There's a lot of things I'm willing to do. That is not one of them. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know that it's something I could personally put myself into. And that was kind of my point in the video. But at the same time, I do think that if they want to perform and there are people who want to buy tickets, then... Mm -hmm. I think that they have a right to do it. You know, and if they're trying their best to try to keep it as remotely safe as being reckless as possible can be, I'm not going to, I'm not your mom. I'm not going to tell you what to do with your life. But no, I just think this is just going to cause more problems and possibly be the reason we don't get to do things later, in in my opinion. So I'm a little nervous about what this could mean down the line for concerts. Because if this goes really badly, this might be the, the example for why we don't do this later when we may not have that, you know, against us later. 
Yeah, I completely agree. That's that's my big concern. But, and I guess you could argue that it's not there, right? Because if they go to the event and they get sick and they make other people sick and so on and so forth. However, sure. I I I mean, it's it's tricky, right? This is this is what it all comes down to. Is like, what is where do we draw the line between individual rights and the rights of the other people in your life? And I don't think her immunity is a good idea. I think it's a terrible idea. I think this event is yeah. a terrible idea. However, yes. <laughs> if everyone is a consent, there are a lot of things that I don't think are good ideas that consenting adults do all the time. So this is just <laughs> one other example of a thing where I'm like, that's not for me, but if you want to go, go. My concern is people who don't have a choice being like staffers for this event company who need the money yep. who are, can either not get paid or work this event and therefore have to jeopardize their lives to potentially jeopardize their lives in order to pay their families. That's what I have a problem with. But again, if all those people are like, I'm into it, then I mean, do it. Yeah. And I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. And I just think, I don't know. I think you put people in a bad situation when you've, cause I've been a little in that situation here in radio where it's like things that if it was my sole decision, I would say no because I don't feel comfortable doing it. But when you involve other people's money, other people's points of view and all of that, sometimes you get forced into a situation where you say yes and you may not be happy with that yes and you know it, it probably won't end poorly for you, you hope. But I mm. think that it it's just it puts people in a really tricky situation because it's a lot of people need that money desperately and you can't afford to say no. Yeah. But if it goes, I also, the the point I make in the video is that if it goes smoothly, even if it doesn't go smoothly, the fact that it's happening, it's, it's going to keep happening. Like people are going to keep doing yeah. events and a big, mm -hmm. these big bands, even if you want to say they're not the biggest bands in the world, they, I mean, I think static X sold out their whole tour in 2019. Like they are a big band in certain communities. Sure. And if it continues to this lockdown is going to continue no matter what, but people are going to keep trying to push reopening in their own ways. And so if this event turns mm -hmm. out to be a success in any level, other places are going to be like, well, you know what? Let's do an event. You know, like, why not? I know that I, this morning I was reading about uh, a venue in Europe that's doing EDM stuff already. And the way that they're doing social distancing is three colors of wristbands, kind of like a stoplight party for social distancing. So okay. you have a green wristband it means like you can high five me, we can hug, I don't care. If you have a yellow wristband, it means we can talk, but stay away from me. And if you have a red wristband, it means I'm, I don't want anything to do with anybody else at this event, which I think is a cool idea in theory. Sure. I'd like that just in future reference. Like, can we have that after all this is done so <laughs> I can just live my life as, as red banded as I want at times? No. I mean, you know, I, I understand that everybody's got different comfort, comfort levels and I appreciate. And I was reading something the mirror is trying to say now that they want to start doing this disinfectant mist on people as they walk into venues. Mm -hmm. No way. I already am worried about the Lysol that I'm inhaling every day cleaning my microphone just to come into the studio. I don't need to be added to any more class action lawsuits. No, thank you. I, I don't want to be the person that's calling a, an 800 number 10 years from now because I couldn't wait an extra couple of months to go see whatever band makes me happy, you know, whether it's somebody I'm working for the radio station or my own personal preferences. Yeah. I don't, I don't like the missed idea, but I also know that, <laughs> you know, putting out videos about this stuff all the time, I get a lot of comments from people that are like, well, what if I don't want to be vaccinated? Which is, is like, like, what well, if I, I mean, yeah. 
Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I sometimes I'm like, it's like saying like, well, what if I don't want to die? It's like, okay, well that's fine, but you should still do it. Like you still have to do it. It's fine. Yeah. 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 And you know, people are think that they're going to be tracked or, or whatever it happens to be. And I'm like, I don't know, man, like if you're willing to risk everything for yourself, you can't take a needle for everybody else. Like it's fine. We'll all be okay. It's all right. And I hate to tell you that cell phone in your hand is already giving away every little information about you anyway. So if you are on social media, you carry a cell phone around, you're already, they know everything about you. Don't be stupid at this point. You know, <laughs> the, Bill Gates has better things to do with his time than to track your dumb ass with a microchip. Sorry. You know, maybe not an unpopular popular opinion, but. <laughs> I love it. No, I love it. All right, Laura, let's talk about you because you're on the show and I want to have a conversation that I can only have with you about being on the show. (laughs) So you're a radio DJ, like a real one. Yeah. 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 That's what they pay me to do, at least. Yeah. By trade. It's my uh, career profession. I purposely went into this for some reason. No. (laughs) You've been pursuing this for as long as I've known you, which is over a decade. Mm -hmm. So you are at this point Mm -hmm. a career DJ. Yes. I think I'm useless at anything else. (laughs) I don't think I could do a different job. (laughs) And more importantly, you're a morning DJ, Mm -hmm. which is hard. Tell everyone what your day is like and when it starts. Um, I do a morning show for a classic rock station here in Louisville, Kentucky, 1077 The Eagle WSFR. Um, I get here every morning at about 430 in the morning. My show technically starts at five, but a lot of the material in the first hour is stuff that I've reused from the day before that people may not hear. And I spend a lot of the time of the morning prepping and get everything ready. And then I'm off air by 10. I do another radio show in Kansas on a modern rock station middays out of town. And, uh, you know, honestly, throughout all of this, nothing in my world has technically changed other than the fact that I have nothing to talk about, nothing to give away. And there's no one else around me all the time. But my physical job itself is all the same right now. Well, that's great to hear. What is it like being a morning drive DJ for, see, that's my industry lingo for you, morning drive DJ. Um, (laughs) Technically correct. For people in the age of coronavirus. Uh, Okay, so the answer my bosses probably want me to give you is it's great. I love it. I bring so much joy to people. Mm-hmm. My personal answer is it's really stressful right now. It's hard because you basically you open up the news every day and everything is someone's dying. There's some sort of protest, murder hornets. <sighs> yeah. And so when you're in that sort of a situation, how do you spend that to make it happy? And, and in a situation like this, also, how do you not offend people when you try to make a joke? Because I, I fall into the comedy category. I'm not news. I'm not factual. I'm not necessarily going for being your serious, you know, person that you, you listen to. But it's like, uh, how do I make fun of things when nothing's funny right now? You know, or mm. you're not allowed to laugh at certain things because people will get mad. Yeah, it must be a difficult balance between providing people with some insight and then also some levity. Yeah, and resp- being responsible because at the end of the day, I still have to step up and say things that I don't really want to talk about. I don't want to teach people how to wash their hands. That's not why I went into radio. I went into radio to make jokes and play Bob Seger songs and do other stuff like that. And instead, now they're coming to me because a lot of times some of these people that listen to me specifically, 
don't trust their local news media. They don't trust the national media because of, you know, being burned from stories or just general mistrust that a lot of people have in the media. And so they see me as their friend and not the media. And so I feel an extra responsibility to make sure that I'm getting messaging out there that doesn't scare them or scare them away, but also keeps me kind of a CYA. So like I, I told you to wash your hands. I tried you know, I wasn't going to preach at you, but I, I at least can go to bed sleeping well knowing I didn't lead people off a cliff pretending there wasn't a plague. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I, I love it. What is the best part of being a radio DJ in 2020? The job security, to be totally honest. Uh, you know, a lot of companies like Cumulus and iHeart are laying people off. So not everyone in this industry is going to agree with me on that. But honestly, you know, I've watched a lot of my friends be unemployed. I've watched a lot of my friends lose jobs left and right. You know, even my own partner has officially lost his job recently. And so, you know, it's hard watching the world like that. But I get to A, know I have a job and B, I get to come in every day and still make people happy in a in a world that's not happy. And for me personally, that is a big rewarding part of this career anyway. And, you know, my listeners have reached out even more now than ever, even if they're not driving around and, and radio listening patterns are all over the place. They've already told us, just don't even look at the ratings this year. Um, they're nonsense. And so knowing that I can come in here and at least give somebody five minutes of, oh, it's not the end of the world. That's more rewarding to me than anything else in this career path has ever been. S screw the free concert tickets. Screw the fun I get to have. If I can make somebody smile at least for three or four minutes a day, it's worth getting up that early. And in 2020, I think that's an extra reward. That is a good reward. So would you recommend people pursue radio as a career? Depends on what your life goals are. <laughs> That's a loaded question because radio is a very hard industry to be in. It's hard to get into. You don't get to just walk into a radio studio and do this. You know, I, I climbed uphill for a decade before I got a real job. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I think it's the most rewarding job I've ever had. If you can find a good company that's not a massive company, I highly recommend going into radio. I think it's a great place to be. Right now is a little difficult um, because again, there's a lot of people out of jobs. There's a lot of people that don't have budgets to hire anybody. But if you're willing to move around and and you're you're willing to constantly evolve and change and have fun, yeah, I I wouldn't do any other job on earth. Oh, okay. I think that that's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> now, something that a lot of people talk about with radio is that it's out of touch or that it's not keeping up with changing trends in music consumption and like how we listen to things, how we discover things. Sure. What do you think the trick is to, this is going to be a big question to <laughs> keeping radio relevant or making it relevant to younger audiences moving forward? I think radio gets a worse rep than the reality of what's going on. Because with radio, I think a lot of our matrices of tracking, listening are incredibly antiquated. I think they're incredibly inaccurate because at the end of the day, you're asking people to either fill out a paper diary, which no one is ever going to do. They're, they're just That's not a thing people want to do in 2020. Or, um, in all honesty, it's just getting people to bother to do anything like that. So, um, I think radio can evolve. I think we need to move faster on hitting uh, singles especially in modern radio. Obviously, I'm not in a, a charting format, so my experience is a little different. But I think country and pop music need to embrace singles faster. I think that's how they stay relevant. In all honesty, most of our relevancy is people like me. Not to blow my own horn, but 
no one comes to my radio station to hear Don't Stop Believing for the 500th time. It, it's a perk. They might be happy while it happens. But I can tell you the people that are listening to me in the morning, 90% of them are there for me. And then they just deal with the rest of it around it. Mm-hmm. And and that's a thing that radio doesn't embrace enough. I think we like to cut talent and pretend it's the, the music people are coming for. But when we aren't able to give you your own playlist, when we aren't able to do it all commercial free, when we aren't able to do that kind of stuff... I think that talent is what will keep us relevant. And I have more millennial and Zoomer listeners than you would even believe based on just call-in prizing. Mm. It's shocking how many people are still listening out there. So, Oh, that's good. Now, here's a thought. Now, I know that you don't work in a charting format, but you are familiar with how radio works. So I want to know your thoughts on this. I was reading an article yesterday about the music business, and the question being asked was, in the age of streaming and on-demand consumption, is it possible for a song to grow on listeners today? Like, are there songs that come out and actually have that six to eight week buildup before they become the thing we're all talking about? Yeah, I think it still exists. Um, I don't think it's as common because I think people have the ability to go and re-listen to stuff much easier. So I don't think it takes as long. I think you can build a song. I think songs can grow on people because I can tell you it happens to me when I listen to other radio stations. I'll hear a song that, and I know this song hasn't been out that long, but that damn deathbed song that just came out that's playing really hard in alt, I hated it. I hated it to start. I couldn't stand it. Every time I hear it, I now get it stuck in my head. And I start to love it a little more. And I think that, that that's always a universal thing that's going to happen in music regardless. But I think radio needs to to take bigger leaps and take chances on some of these artists that they may not normally because that's the only way you're going to get them before the internet blows them up because they can just go from zero to 60 on the internet. We don't have that luxury here. You can't just start power spinning a song and expect people not to just run away from you. Mm. And because and you can't skip a song with us. Like, I don't like this song. Go to the next one. And until radio can figure out how to do that easily, we've got to get ahead of it. And and that's hard because it's that's a combo of the record labels and just us having a sense of, hey, I know my friends are really digging this artist. I needed to take a bet and say, and I and I can say that like artists like Matt Nathanson and people like that and Alternative have been doing that. I've watched him slowly grow, and I don't think the internet pushed him as fast as radio did towards the end. I think he kind of caught up on the internet end on the other end, but. You know, I haven't looked at the numbers, so I'm not an expert on that. <laughs> well, that's good. Let's talk about classic rock as an idea, because I know growing up what classic rock was, but mm-hmm. in 2020, what are the parameters for a classic rock, I guess, radio station, and just in your own opinion, like what defines a band that is, quote unquote, a classic rock band now? Um, The definition per what we use in our playlist is it must be a minimum of 20 years old. Um, So like anything 90s is fair game at this point. We don't play 90s because we test our music specifically to the market and Wolfel hates 90s rock for some reason. And we've been trying for years to get like Foo Fighters on stuff like that. It doesn't test well with our audience, but... Um, I think classic rock is kind of an evolving beast because while you're always going to have your standard players from when like you and I were kids where you've got, you know, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, um, Doobie Brothers, that kind of stuff that's always been there and it's still there. Those artists are dwindling off significantly on our playlist, at least in our case. And we're seeing more stuff like your 80s hair metal where your Gen Z or your Gen Xers are now starting to be our primary 
source of who we're aiming towards. So I see way more Poison, Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, that kind of stuff on my playlist versus when I started even five, six years ago, it was mostly 70s stuff. And so Mm. I think it's as time moves on, that classic rock will shift. But I think there will always be key players that you're just not going to get rid of Led Zeppelin entirely, not for a long time. And I'm totally fine with that. That doesn't hurt my feelings. I like the 70s stuff because there's always going to be people like you and I that grew up on it. And while we weren't there for the heyday of it, it's still music that's very dear to our hearts and has uh, emotional connections. And, and I don't think that that age is necessarily. I think that's a good answer. What is the uh, <laughs> what is the staple classic rock song that you wish could disappear from rotation? Jenny, 8675309. I cannot stand <laughs> That song or Jesse's Girl by Rick Springfield, that one. But that's a personal song, I think, for me because of my coworker's named Jesse and he won't shut the hell up about that song. And so I just hate it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Some of the poppier I- stuff I would just I would nerf out. But I think we're also classic hits, which is technically we're a top forty classic rock station. And you see more of us out there than like traditionally classic rock, which is what used to be the mainstream in the genre. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of stations have gotten a little I I don't want to say scared. But classic hits sells better, and it's easier to market, and it's easier to get an audience for. So it's easy to to throw a couple of, you know, Rick Springfield poppy songs in there and sacrifice some of your deep cuts mm. uh, versus, you know, that kind of stuff. Given everything that we know about the coronavirus and our conversation at the top of this episode, what's it going to take to get regular Laura at a concert again? Man, um... I think it's going to have to be, I'm going to have to see some significant numbers drop and I'm going to have to see that there's just safety measures because in my world, I can't afford to take a risk like that and get sick. The average person may be willing to go, ah, screw it. I'll take a couple weeks off. I might get sick. I probably won't get that sick. But, you know, as a public figure, I feel like if I get it, I am under twice as scrutiny as anyone. There's actually a DJ here in town that got it really early on and they basically every station tv everything just stared at him like a a a petri dish the whole way through it and i that's my worst nightmare there's nothing i want less than that for to happen to me personally i'd say it's going to be next year i just i don't think until i can see stadium tours coming back really safe spaces um you know mask wearing where people are taking it seriously i'm not willing to take the risk until everyone else is a little safer That's that's perfectly understandable. I don't know that I will go to an indoor venue before then, though I'm willing to, I guess. My whole thing is like, I don't like people, but I do like certain <laughs> artists. I mean, if I would go to a seated show for an artist that I had to pay a premium price for, so if it was like half-cap theater Jason Isbell, when mm-hmm. the tickets are like one fifty a piece, I'd be like, okay, I'm willing to spend the one fifty to see him in this weird setting. But as a rock yeah. fan, I don't know a band that has breakdowns that I want to see in person <laughs> anytime soon. Well, and I brought that up recently on my modern rock station for that exact reason. It's like, yeah, I could see myself sitting down and watching Robert Plant do a show like that, and I could enjoy it, but. Like uh, Machine Head themselves were like, F that, we're not doing that. And I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't want to see you in that situation either. So I, you know, I think the artists themselves can probably dictate that pretty well. And I, I'm with you on that. If if you got safe spaces and we're making good choices, I'll pay a little extra for that safety and maybe the convenience of getting to do it a little earlier. 
But at the same time, it's like, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I don't want to catch a plague over, you know, it's, it would be a crappy show too. Cause no one I want to see is, is brave enough to go out in this. So it's like, are you really, like I said earlier, you're really going to catch the coronavirus from watching a, an ACDC cover band. Is that really what you want to go down as? To <laughs> like, be fair, that ACDC <laughs> cover band sells a lot of tickets. So <laughs> they do, oh, they do, and they're they're so fun. I do their shows all the time. Like I said, they're a local band for us. I love them dearly. They're friends of mine. I'd say all this to their faces. So it's not anything okay. against them. <laughs> but no, at I the same you. time, it's like I'm, it's got to be like I get to touch Robert Plant. Then I will I'll risk coronavirus. But mm. it's got to be a good one. <laughs> what about driving concerts? Oh, I can't wait. I think I've got one coming up next month that I, I really want to go to because it's my car. That's my safe space. And I don't have to worry about somebody coming up against me or or coughing in my face or any of that kind of stuff. And and so I think if I can control my bubble and keep people out of it, hell yeah, I'm all in. Mm, love it. Love it. As someone that just went to one, I'm I'm not as fueled by the fire currently but i feel like there's i feel like the thing about it it's just like any other concert is that they there could be a hundred of them and a hundred of them will be handled differently when i went to mm-hmm. was uh i felt safe more or less um people were nice enough but then the actual performer wasn't on a stage erected in front of us he was in a, a tent next to the projection booth and he kind of like made a, an appearance. He rode around on a golf cart, but he spent the entire thing in a, in a booth. And then that booth was projected onto the screen. And then all the music is still coming through your car stereo. So it still had, I still felt really removed from it. Like he could have been in his apartment in New York city. And I would have been like, Oh, this is the same thing. Yeah. It didn't really make a difference that he was there in person to me for the most part, but I'm going to see a comedy show this week. And I think that they'll actually be in front of me, though I haven't found like a lot of pictures and video from the stand-up comedy ones yet. But I know that the one I'm going to is it's two shows, uh, early show, late show. I'm going to the early one. So it's going to have to happen before it gets dark outside. So I'm curious, like they'll have to be on a stage in front of me in order for me to see him. Otherwise, again, sure. I'm just listening to the radio in a parking lot. Like that's all, <laughs> that's all I'm doing. And, and I so don't know that it's and maybe that's an argument. <laughs> well, maybe that's an argument for like people like Garth who are doing it differently, where they're just going to go in one venue and then all across the country, everybody gets to pull up and have their experience of it. And I can almost respect that a little more, although you don't get to still charge the same amount as if it was a live concert when you do that. That's where he made me mad with that one, because it's like, I don't mind the idea of seeing a live concert streamed somewhere locally. I'm just not paying you $150 to do it. Yeah, <laughs> when I, I can mean, watch it tomorrow online. <laughs> his Facebook events have been great, and they bring out millions of people, which I guess justifies fifty thousand tickets sold for his driving event. But it is, yeah. it is strange. Um, I don't know that that definitely won't catch on, but I don't know that the live model will that well either, because I saw the Brad Pays the Live Nation ones they just announced because they're tiered. The closest sure. to the stage, which is saying something because you're still in your car, is $350 for a car of four people. And then it's $250, $200, $150. And then like way off on the left or right side of the lot, there's also a $150 area. And I'll tell you from looking at the pre-sales before we hopped onto this, that the only section that sold out in pre-sales was the cheapest level. Because I think people are like... I don't want to pay $350 to sit in my car of 57 feet from Brad Paisley. Like it's not, it's not worth it to me. (laughs) 
Well, and the whole thing with Brad Paisley is it's it's kind of a drinking thing. So like when you put people in their cars there, you're making it real difficult to even enjoy it at the worst version of it, you know, because it's yeah. like you don't want you don't want to encourage people drinking in their cars because then you've got a whole drinking and driving thing. So a lot of these shows I know are trying to be alcohol free. But it's like, how do you go to a country show and not have a drink sometimes, especially with that audience? Now, maybe not me as much, but. You know, I, I dare you to try to tell those guys that they can't tailgate and see how that goes for you. You know, I mean, you get a you get a tailgate uh, spot with your with your ticket because it goes it goes car nine feet tailgate space, nine feet of unusable space next car. So you get like 18 feet between you and the next car on either side of you, uh, which is cool. But bad. They, they're giving you a dedicated space to grill and cook and drink. Like it's just it's inevitable that people are going to drink. Um and I know that the yeah. Indianapolis dates for this Live Nation event has Yacht Rock Review, which is like even, it's basically like the ACDC <laughs> tribute band where it's like, this is just, people just buy a booze. That's why they go to this yep. event. So I don't oh, yeah. know how you, how you monitor it and make it not result in just accidents and bad behavior and people sleeping in their parking space. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, and I think they... Well, exactly. And I, and I think there's also a secondary problem of where you said that only the cheapest ones were... Uh, sold out. It's also the fact that you you don't have any money right now. I mean, how much of this country is unemployed? I'm in the state with the worst unemployment. I don't know people that can drop $350 on a single night event when you don't know when you're going to work again. Or yeah. if you're going to make the full amount of income if you are reduced hours, because there's a lot of companies and they don't like to say this out loud. I know people who have been reduced to part-time hours so that their company can get some sort of grant money. So they are not allowed to apply for the unemployment or they won't get their job or won't get to keep their job. And then you got to go the other way around where basically you just have to, you know, uh, uh, stomach the fact that you're not making any money. And then how are you supposed to spend any out of it? I don't know. I don't, I don't see how they thought that was going to work out. Mm, me either, but we're almost out of time. So let me ask you this before I let you go. For people okay. that want to get into radio beyond, you know, maybe studying broadcasting or something along those lines, what is the what is the cheat code to doing well in radio? There, I'll give you two cheat codes. The first one is being relentless because you're not going to be, you're not only not going to get where you want to get to start. You're going to have a crappy shift. You're not going to get paid well. It's going to be very thankless. You're going to be worn out. You're going to work terrible hours. That's just, that's part of the game. It doesn't matter how you come in, whether you walk in with a GED or a degree uh, from a university that has a respected broadcasting school, you're going to get the same treatment either way. So I'd almost say skip the broadcasting school if you can get some small town experience instead. However, um, on top of that, I think it's also the reality of you've got to have a good attitude and you've got to be a people person because while there's technical skills and, and the ability to do this job, a lot of it's about people liking you. I get to keep my job and I get to be here because my bosses like me, not because I was the most qualified person for the position at the time. They applied other people around me and then basically told me, well, we're just going to stick with you because you're the easiest option. So I think it's being a good, having a good attitude and being relentless are the all, only things you really need other than good content and the ability to start. So it's just don't give up. Be willing mm -hmm. to fall on your face 14 times and be fired 16 more because uh, that's the only way you're going to get anywhere in this business. But it's, it's so rewarding and so worth it once you do get where you want to be. That's good. That's a strong answer. I really appreciate you taking the time to yeah. talk today. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. And uh, stay safe up there and, and we'll keep making music and, and trying to keep people happy as much as we can over here too. So 